This is Top Dogs and Their Humans, and I am Susie Cox. In the 90s, I was Vogue from the hit TV show Gladiators, but these days I'm a presenter, mum of teens, and very proud dog owner. And you know what I've noticed about other dog owners? They love to talk. You'll meet someone walking the dog and they'll tell you their entire life story because they love their dog so much. So on this podcast, I'm snuggling up to some amazing pooches to find out what makes these canines and their owners tick. I'm going to be asking why their dogs are so important to them and who's really top dog. And I don't think we could get through this first series of top dogs and their humans without treating you all to a little gladiators reunion. That's right, my guest this episode is the mighty James Crossley, a.k.a. Hunter from Gladiators, famed for his long golden locks, no longer, and enormous pectorals, which helped earn him the title of Ultimate Gladiator in the show's dramatic 1999 season finale. As you'll hear, James is still super fit and has put his talents to multiple uses over the last 20-odd years, including theatre, bodybuilding and now as a fitness coach switching from strength to yoga with ease and his two bulldogs smudge and little are almost as strong as he is i'm making no comment now about dogs looking like their owners so welcome james crossley to the top dogs and their humans podcast thank, thank you, for, you. Yeah, thank you for having me for joining us so obviously um we know each other from a long, yes. long time ago, working together on the fabulous, yes, we do indeed. iconic, legendary, I'm going to throw all those words in there, TV show Gladiators from the 1990s. Um, That's right, You yeah. were the ultimate gladiator, it says, <laughs> on all your yeah, profiles. If you Google if you, look you far enough down Google. comes up, <laughs> page nine. the <laughs> ultimate gladiator. I'm like, all right, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which you know, I, I, there's not too far from the truth, I have to say. Um, well, we did a sh- we did a show, didn't we? The, I know the girls didn't do it, but we did guys versus guys yes. on the last show. So, the title and the prize at the end was the ultimate gladiator. So that's where that came from. That's all right. You don't have to justify it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously, you know, fitness is massive, massive part of your life forever. You started bodybuilding, obviously, and that's how you got introduced that's to right, the yeah. show. Um, and then since, obviously, since Gladiators, you haven't just, like, you know, flobbed out and sat down on the sofa and just eaten yourself to, you yeah. know, the size of a house. You've been continually training and, you know, a brilliant role model for guys over a certain age, over 40. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got over loads 40. of stuff out. you got Fit 40. Yeah, I did a DVD. Funny enough, it's three years ago today that I launched wow. it because I got one of those Facebook memory uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> posts come up. So, yeah. So that was three years ago, but it's still going strong. I mean, especially in lockdown, it's done really well. So people have been looking at ways of uh, keeping fit at home. Yeah, brilliant. And and you've done that as well at home as well. You've set up a gym in your garden. Yeah, well, the thing is, it's not just about physical well-being, it's about mental health. Yeah. And because exercise has been such a big part of my life since I was 12, to not do any exercise... Um, you know, just isn't really an option. And I'm, I'm lucky that I've got a garden. It's not a big garden, but I've I've literally made the most out of it. And initially I just went to um, a park and, and, and got like a tree stump. <laughs> and um, that was what I was using. And then as lockdown went on longer and longer, I started buying stuff on eBay, buying stuff off Facebook Marketplace, finding gyms that had shut down. And yeah. I've kind of created this great little gym, which has actually ended up being a, a, a pretty good business for me because I've not been able to do any work in any gyms yeah. um, as I normally would. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, also, early in lockdown, we had the same thing. You couldn't buy stuff. You couldn't get any equipment because no. nobody was obviously being able to import it stuff was, or yeah. order stuff. And the world went mad for home gym equipment. Um, it was crazy. I mean, I was seeing a rusty six-foot bar that had been in someone's barn yeah. for like 20 years and yep. it was selling for more than it would a brand new oh um, a brand new bar would it was it was crazy yeah. so you had to be careful where you bought it from yeah 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 but it works and it's great and like you say you've now got a setup where if there is the opportunity to work you know train from home you can it's all ready there to go which is yeah, great yeah and funny enough a lot of people even though the gyms are reopening on um or, or the you know soon yeah people don't want to go back to gyms yeah. a lot of people are still a bit wary of them and i know when they opened last time during lockdown people didn't seem to want to go back to the gym they want to train outside so yeah. i think we would get into still, different um, different routine don't you you get used to different things and appreciate different things and appreciate stuff that's on your doorstep being outside is a massive thing for mental health like you say as well yeah i think being outside is definitely a, a, an element of um being outside and and getting fresh air and lifting weights and the exercise and it's that, that Rocky Balboa mentality, isn't it? So <laughs> people love it. People absolutely love it. And I, don't, I think they want to carry on going. I'm going to be training people, like, you know, in a, a big Russian coat and a big hat. Yeah, I was going to say, the last <laughs> lockdown, it was like 30, de- 30 degrees and a, and a heat wave. This time it's not quite... I'm trying to get them to go back to... Yeah, exactly. It's very different from the last lockdown yeah. when I was li- living like... It was like, you know, Gold's... It was like Venice Gym. Like Venice Beach, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit different now, yeah. yeah. So, obviously, dogs. Let's talk dogs. Um, yeah. You have two bulldogs. Is that right? I do, yeah. I've got um, a five-year-old bulldog called... She's actually a cross between a bulldog and an old-time bulldog called Smudge and Smudge. a three-year-old called Little, who's and, Little. And what Little... I, was, I wanted to know about Little. Where did the name yeah. Little come from? Well, we always used to call... I mean, you know, um, my ex-girlfriend, yeah. Pandora, yeah. and we always used to call Smudge Little. She said, oh, she's only little, she's right. little. Oh. And she just used to say it all the time. And so I ended up getting this dog, and I just thought, well, I'll just call her Little rather than saying she's only little. So oh. um, I spell it with a Y. It's L-Y-T-T-L-E. Oh, and, very um, exotic. Yeah, I mean, they, they are besotted with each other. I mean, they won't leave each other alone. So, you know, dogs like the pack animals, so they, they're really happy together. And do they help out in the gym? You know, they like the meet and greet... Um, well, people love to meet them. They, they sit and watch. Smudge, uh, Smudge sits and watch. There's like an area at the top with like a patio, if you like, and she just sits and yeah. watches. It looks like she's in prison. I've got these like bars she's there. The and overseer. She just sits and watches. Um, and Little's not that bothered, but yeah, Smudge likes to watch. She loves her. She loves some big lifts. Oh, well, I suppose they used to it with you around. And uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, lifting her up is a nightmare. You How know, much they weigh? Although she's only thirty kilos, okay. it's, it's a moving weight, yes, isn't it? And exactly. a, a number of times I've tried to lift her into the car, and I've, I've got more injured than if I was deadlifting three hundred kilos. Yeah. yeah. Well, they move like wriggle it's like kids. Yeah. Um, okay. And so why why bulldogs? Why that breed? Um, that's a good question because they're, a, you know, the truth is they're a difficult breed to have. They have a lot of problems, and I think I just always, as a kid, loved their faces. I just thought they were real cute. You know, I was one of these kids that loved teddy bears and loved dogs and anything that had a cute face. Yeah. And to me, the bulldog's face is just the cutest. And a lot of people think, oh, they've got ugly faces. They're not. <laughs> but for me, they were always that that cute dog. And I really bought them on a whim or, or a smudge initially because yeah. she had such a cute face and. Um, but the truth is, you know, they, if you're going to get a bulldog or I, I presume a French bulldog as well, I know people have problems with them. You've got to be very aware of what issues they have. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I spent, I think, twelve and a half thousand on her mm. last year or two years Gosh. ago with them. Um, both her cruciate ligaments went. Um, they're breathing problems that you know, you've got to watch yeah. their weight. Yeah. Um, 
you know, they, they do have certain issues that are very relevant to their breed. So anybody that gets a bulldog needs to be very mindful of that because um, and always get them insured. I can't stress oh that enough. Gosh, yes. I was very lucky that I claimed all that, but all those vets fees back. Yeah. yeah, I got it all back. So that was amazing. But you know, when they're when they're in good nick, I mean, they've both got arthritis, even though they're only three and five. Um, yeah. Smudges on medication for it, but they're both very very. Um, you know, when they're on form, they're, yeah. they're, they're really good, and they're both really good at the moment. Oh, bless them. I know, but that's the thing. I, I'm not sure I'd ever describe a bulldog's face as cute. Characterful. Well, exactly. It's, it's, it's just individual, isn't it? It's one of those things that, yeah, that... that I... Characterful. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, uh, when you own a dog like that, you know it's like the bond you have with a dog, and I start sending everybody pictures of the dog's face, and people are just like... What's wrong with him? <laughs> it's not cute at all. It's obviously beauty is literally the, the eye of the beholder. Yeah, I get the draw to them. I, I just uh, the cute, maybe not the word, but I, I get what you mean. They're just they do look like front row rugby players, basically. That's yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, it? they do. Yeah, yeah. Did you grow up with dogs, or was? Um, we grew up with a Springer Spaniel, okay. actually. Um, so we got a Spaniel when I was about nine or ten. Um, we had him about 12 years so but apart from that that's the only dog that I've actually you know grew up with that dog and I think I always fancied a dog and then um, you know my ex-girlfriend had a, um, a Staffordshire Bull yeah. Terrier we wanted a friend for him and that's how we got smudge and then uh, you know I got little from there but um, I mean there are a lot of responsibility you've got to have a good network especially yeah. I, I go away a fair bit and yeah. so you've got to have a good network in place to help look after them so that took me a while to establish um, but once you've got that in play, it uh, makes life a lot easier. But you've got to make sure you've got the right people on hand and a good vet. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And also, mm-hmm. you know, just I, you know, the whole reason I started this podcast is because you know you meet new people through your dogs, don't you? So if you take your dogs out for a walk, people who have dogs talk to other people who have dogs. So it's a really great way of you know community. It's, yeah, and, it can be very social. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you meet all sorts of people. I mean, I, I did a walk this morning with a, a, an old client of mine, actually, I hadn't seen for years. And, you know, we were in, in Bushy Park, which is near me, and we met, like, tons of people because she had, like, three poodles and I've got two dogs, one massive, one tiny. So it's just a talking point. And our, my big dog is actually quite elegant and he looks like a racehorse, basically, when he's running around. Are your dogs good with all other dogs then? Do they, are they really good with other dogs when they meet them? They're pretty good, actually. I mean, today there was no, you know fights or anything like that and aggression yeah. my big one he's he's a bit more aloof he's a bit more scared of because yeah. he was arrested they're both rescued so it, he was brought up not very nicely so he's always slightly right, yeah. more aware yeah. um the little one is just a nutter she's part well she's jack russell with a hint of chihuahua so she's just like really small annoying and doesn't like missing out on anything so she just she probably runs like three times as far as everybody else because she's constantly keeping up with all the big dogs yeah um, but no they're pretty social you see smudge is a bit of a dice roll yeah. to whether she'll like another dog and if she doesn't she has this kind of headbutting move <laughs> so i have to be very wary little's absolutely bang on with all dogs yeah. but smudge is you know a typical bulldog in every way she's if she doesn't like someone she kind of that's it now, but um, yes, I've got to be a little bit careful. What's the funniest thing they've done then? What's what's the funniest thing that either of them have done? Well, they could be constant comedy. They're like Laurel and Hardy, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, just the way that they are with each other is, is to me, is comedy. I mean, the other day, Little was sat on Smudge's head for about 40 minutes, just sat there <laughs> in the living room, and that was just complete normality. So I don't think that... I can't think of an incident offhand that's just, um, you know, 
hilarious Daily. as it were but i just think day to day there are things that just make you smile the way they follow each other around is very yeah. cute you know little is obviously besotted with smudge and she just follows her around i mean you say your dog was a rescue i think yeah. little she was from romania or somewhere oh, wow. um and then somebody bought her and they they didn't treat her well so right. she's very scared of other people yeah it, it just shows you that these dogs if they are abused at such a young age how it, it affects them all of their life but I think it's also just their pers- their natural personalities, like humans. Do you know what I mean? They have different. You, know, you could have two yeah. exactly yeah. same breed dogs, part yeah. of the same litter, and they'd just yeah. be completely different in their personalities. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's what makes them so funny and you know so interesting. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, Smudge is per- uh, you know Smudge is very boisterous with personality, but then she can be completely zoned out. So I think yeah, there's definitely um, bundles of personality going on with these two. <laughs> So did you use your dogs to practice lifting your dinny stones? Did you use them as sort of, um, you know, ballast? No, but, but I used to, um, I, when, when I was trying to practice for an Atlas stone, I used to use smudge initially just for a warm-up when I didn't have much <laughs> equipment. Because, um, so you used to sit in the garden and I just used to pick her up as a dead, a dead weight. Yeah, so roll, I didn't roll use her into a dinnies, ball. But, yeah, but for, um, <laughs> for, for warming up for an Atlas stone, when I had very limited equipment, she was certainly part of the warm-up. Really? Um, but yeah, not for the Dinny Stones. So tell us about the Dinny Stones, because that was, that was a Guinness World Record, wasn't it? It was, yeah, well... Oh, it is? Is it still standing? No, it's, it got broken, yeah. actually. The guy's still got it who broke it, Mark Haydock. Um, and he'd been training for it for 10 years, I think. And I just wanted to get a world record. And I wanted to do something, you know, I had to do something niche, because I'm not... There's people who are much stronger than me, but I knew I was strong enough to do something that was niche and it's a grip lift. So yeah. you have these two stones on rusty metal rings. The front one's 188 kilos, the back one's 144. Is that all? And the record is to see how long you can hold them off the floor for. Oh my God. Um, at this, it's, it's on a bridge in Scotland and Mark Felix had the re- world record. Oh, who yeah. yeah. You might know has been in yeah. World's Strongest Man yeah. 10 or 11 times. He's and, a good def- um, deadlifter. Yeah, I mean, I was just, it was like, you know what I'm like. I became a psycho. I, I woke <laughs> up thinking about stones. I went to bed thinking about stones and I trained for it for four months. Um, and uh, I, bizarrely, you, you're allowed three attempts. So I got the world record on my third attempt, which was... Oh, my God. I mean, my hands were torn to shreds, so... Um, I was going to say, your hands and your forearms must have been... Oh, completely torn to shreds. It was, uh, it was a bit of a, a freak moment, really, because it was definitely mind over matter, because my body shouldn't have been able to do it on the third time. I think I got yeah. 31 seconds, yeah. 31.4, and then the record was 30... I think it was 34.5 in the end, something like that. Oh, wow. but, uh, that's a few years ago now, but, yeah, that was, um, that was kind of... Uh, go coming towards I did, I did strongman for 10 years and that was like the back end of it because yeah. I started to get so many injuries I realised yeah. I had to do a, another transition and did you have to wear a kilt? I didn't actually but I went back again there were some heavier stones called the nickel stones Ooh. which I lifted a year later and um, I've got that record still and um, they're 205 and 153 oh, I think something like goodness. that and I wore a kilt for that one yeah but um, but did you wear it properly? yeah um, Did you I don't think I wore it properly, Scottish no, because way. when you're lifting those kind of stones, you've got everything absolutely tied in. Yes. You know, otherwise yes. you get a hernia. So I'm, I'm afraid I didn't have the full... Uh... <laughs> Not only do you lift heavy things, um, you are musically talented. Um, and I know this because we used to be in a little band together. <gasps> yeah, funny enough, I was telling someone about that, the Arch, because um, I met a musician the other day who was practising around there. Oh. Arch 20, was it Arch 21? Arch 21, don't pretend you yeah. can't remember. Yeah. Arch 21, I think I was in the band for about two months. 
Well, I think the band only went on for about three months. So. You had some random name, which I could never remember. Oh, I think we had lots of names, yeah, yeah. And because we always used to rehearse in Arch 21, we were like... Arch 21, Let's right, be yeah. Arch 21. Uh, we, yeah, did some, yeah. we did some pretty big gigs. We headlined the Half Moon in Putney. <laughs> Actually, we did headline the Half Moon We headlined. Yeah. Headline <laughs> yeah. band, can I tell you? I think we earned £100. Yeah. I think £50, I remember, went on renting amps and £50 pounds right, yeah. in the bar afterwards wow so, you got a great memory well it's my one and only headline gig so <laughs> there's not been many so i can remember that moment um and then i think i i left and went to australia and new zealand for a month so that wasn't the only reason the band stopped but yeah well we've got a band called the watch now so you should come and hang out with us and yeah. um, um so it's me little simon who's a um, musical theater he's just come out of jersey boys yeah and a guy called craig who's just come out of wind in the willows i think he was in labors as well for brilliant for 10 years he was one of the longest serving marriages maybe the longest so we do uh, now and again we do little gigs here and there and the four so, chord lords yeah. i believe the four chord lords is i train a guy who um he writes the music for films he does film scores and um it, we just had a bit of fun with him where he he merges 30 songs together that have four chords and then we we merge them together into one it's brilliant kind i love it if you haven't seen 30 it songs in two and a half minutes so hey, actually he's yeah. written another one for us to do but we've not been able to get together to yeah to record say, it yes. but um, there's normally a christmas special isn't there yeah, well, we've got the Christmas special that I keep firing out. Yeah. We didn't want actually the one we've done was about um, it was it was at the movies. It was movie themes we've oh, done. Oh wow! So um, brilliant. Just waiting to record that one, but obviously at the moment it's impossible yeah. to all get together. Yeah, and you did a bit of acting as well. Yeah, so it was difficult when Gladiators finished. It's like anything like that. It's like the dream job. What do you do next? Yeah. And because with Gladiators we got offered um, pantos, didn't we? Yeah. I think I did twenty in the end. I retrained as an actor, so I did two years. A year with the Meisner School, I did a year at the Science of Acting, and then from there I started to do plays. Um, and then I did uh, I did three years touring the UK, and then I did two years in America with Sir Peter Hall during the wow. Royal Shakespeare Company, which was amazing. Wow. You know, because you go from going round um, like Derby and Hull and Grimsby and then LA, New York, San Francisco. So it, yeah, exactly. It was it was an amazing job. And then I came back and I thought I was going to be this kind of Shakespearean actor and I went back to Grimsby <laughs> and Hull. Nothing wrong with Grimsby and Hull. It's just different to LA and New York. Yeah, well, the thing is, I was born in Hull. So, but the thing is, it's just it, the lifestyle is very difficult because you do one show in the evening and the rest of the day you're just kicking around and it's very difficult to have a dog, have a relationship, have any stability. And you are quite a, rest, a restless being, aren't you? You need to be busy. Um, yeah, and I just didn't like... You know, you can't, you can't really have any roots doing being yeah. an actor. So I lasted seven years, and then I kind of always said, if after seven years, um, I'm not in a place where I want to be with that. And I literally just stopped. In fact, I remember, I remember the moment I stopped. I was playing Abenazza in Liverpool, <laughs> and I'd always make up on as Abenazza, who's the baddie in Aladdin. Um, and I just thought, right, that's it. I'm going to stop. And I haven't actually I haven't been on stage since. But it was an interesting experience. I mean, I had some amazing. I went to some amazing places, especially in America. I mean, we had incredible time. So obviously dogs is still a massive part of your life. Do you think you'll always have dogs? No, I don't actually, because um, I, I love these two to bits, but I think I've become a bit too bonded with them. And, you know, you end up just everything every day is, how do I do this with the dogs? How do I sort that sort of mm. stuff? So I think I, I, I do love having a dog, absolutely love it. But I think I definitely have a break from having a dog. Because um, also I love to travel. I try and travel as much as possible, but... There's always, right, I've got to get this network in place, yeah. I've got to get this sorted, whereas 
yeah. just have that ability to go away and do um, be a bit free would be great. So I will always have dogs throughout my life, but I wouldn't always have a dog without a break, I think. Constantly. Um, and are there any rules in your house with the dogs? Um, see, this is the difficult thing, is that my dogs aren't brilliant to take to other people's houses. Um, just because they're, they're very habitual in their ways here. Right. Um, so if you take them to somewhere else, they get so excited. Um, <laughs> and they don't realise so they're taking, 30 kilos yeah, headbutting they, people around. Uh, no, there's not so much oh. that. They'll, what they'll do, they'll just randomly pee in the middle of a carpet, which they, they never <laughs> do here. Um, so they just behave completely differently. So, yeah, they're not great house. They're like guests. rock stars in a hotel. They go around and just, like, wreck it. Yeah. Well, actually, recently, I can't tell you what it is, but I did a reality show recently. Yes. And um, but I ended up doing um, three weeks in a flat with them. Um, and I was a bit concerned that they might not. And they were absolutely amazing. Oh. Oh. Absolutely. I mean, the show was a nightmare. But do you think that's because you were there the whole time and it was just you and not lots of other people? Yeah. Well, we became a full-on dog pack. That's, that's exactly what happened. And they literally, the first day they were a bit restless, had a little pee here and there, and then they literally became, they slept, they don't sleep in my bed, they don't sleep on my bed, they sleep downstairs, I sleep upstairs, but there, they slept at the foot of my bed every night, little got into bed with me every morning, Aww. literally we became this little, and they had this great little routine going, I wasn't allowed to take them out, so they had a walker, because I wasn't wow. allowed to leave this yeah. flat, yeah. they had a walker come four times a day, and um, I mean, yeah, it was, actually, the only thing I took away from that show that I enjoyed was the bonding with the dogs, to be fair. Aww. It was, and, um, and so, would you class yourself as top dog? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, Smudge, Smudge pushes her luck. I mean, she always tries. We have battles. Um, little, no problem. But yeah, Smudge, I have to kind of stamp my authority on it sometimes. You know, she gives me this Paddington stare, thinking she can, uh, she can be top dog. But she knows, she knows that Diddy's top dog. So there's you, then Smudge, and does does Little look to Smudge to be the top dog? Like yes, the next that's exactly. Yeah. Little has started to test Smudge for yeah. authority, um, and often it's Little that will start the fight. But yeah, Little definitely follows Smudge around because yeah. at the end of the day, Smudge has known life without Little, but Little has never really known life without yeah. Smudge. Yeah. So she does definitely follow her around like um, a, a bit like a mother figure, I think. Yeah. They're both girls, but yeah. yeah so I think Little looks at her more of a as a bit of a mother figure. Yeah. So what for you is the best thing about having dogs? Um, well, it's the company. I mean, I really love the company. Um, I like the routine because I've been a man of routine since I was 12, you know, having, mm. um, I break my day into units of time and, <laughs> and it's having these, this, this routine with them that I absolutely love. So it gives me that kind of grounding. They're habitual, aren't they? They're like you, they're, they're quite habitual. They have their- Yeah, and that's the thing, they fall into habits so easily. So they go for a walk at the same time every day, bar half an hour, they yeah. eat the same time every day. I can literally work my day around them because I know exactly when they're asleep. Yeah. And the great thing about bulldogs for me is they are quite a sleepy breed. So <laughs> I don't have to keep them amused for four hours in the morning. Yeah. They go out for a long walk in the morning, yeah. then they're out for four yeah. hours, they're just zonked. Afternoon walk, then they're the same, and they eat, they play a bit in the evening. So they're, they're creatures of habit, yeah. you know, and um, they, they work well for me. I've seen people who've been in the park with dogs that they may be looking after for the first time. They're like, I can't wear them out, I can't wear them yeah. out. And out with them for hours. Yeah. And the, the, another great thing about Bulldog, I suppose, for me is like half an hour or so. I know that well, people see my, my, my yogi, who's a, a, a Saluki Lurcher and Greyhound, and they go, Oh my gosh, he must need a lot of walking. I'm like, No, he's basically like Usain Bolt. He like to like yeah. chill all day, do a bit of zooming, sprinting around, and he's done. That's it. Yeah, that's it, right. I mean, yeah. that, that breed will sleep for like 23 hours a day. I mean, I've taken them out this morning for a couple of hours, and I don't even normally do that. It's normally like 45 minute, an hour max. 
And they're, he's like on the sofa. He hasn't moved. He has not moved since 11 o'clock this morning. <laughs> right. Because interesting enough, I was um, I was made an ambassador of the Greyhound, retired Greyhounds. Oh, yes, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, because they had so many problems housing these Greyhounds. Yeah. Yep. People don't seem to want Greyhounds, do they? That's the thing. No, but people think, I think, well, I think the breed have a sort of, you know, people see them racing or a lot of them have been mistreated in a racing environment. Um, so when they retire, again, lots of, I mean, our yogi was left with a washing line around his neck because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing, coursing or whatever he was supposed to be doing. Um, and, you know, if they don't do the job they're supposed to, they just, you know, they're not interested. They're like working dogs, really. Um, yeah. So if they're not able to do what they can do and make money for them, they're not interested. So they they get left. No, no. Um, but they are very sleepy. But they said the same thing. They said they don't need as much exercise as no, you think. No, they don't. No, they're sprinters. Yeah. They're absolutely 100% yeah. sprinters. Um, I mean, our, my two have bells on because the big one can cover quite a lot of ground quite quickly. So if he's in a woodland area, we, I, the first time we took him to the Alps in, in France and he just disappeared. You know, I don't know where he was. So I bought him a little cowbell and it, that's on him now. So even if I can't see him, he because he's a sighthound, he can see us from miles away. So even if he's miles away, he, I, I can hear him. So if I call him, I know he's coming because I can hear him. That's good, yeah. So it's little things like that. Yeah, I've just bought those lights, those little dog lights. Yeah. Uh, they are very useful. So other than singing, acting, lifting heavy stuff, um, your new thing, obviously, which I've seen you doing lots of, obviously, you know, as we get older, we need to preserve our bodies much more and not just beat them to a pulp um so you've been doing a lot more yoga yeah well i mean i started yoga initially when when we did gladiators because if you remember year one did i was you? just this bodybuilder who couldn't 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 move so yeah so i started yoga when i started doing um walk climbing the wall and everything um oh, I did not so know. i used to do yoga then and then throughout the years i picked it up and put it down so it hasn't been yeah. consistent in my life since i was 20 so i've done a bit put it down done a bit put it down and um it was something that I realised that, you know, the weights, I was starting to get more and more injuries and I had to get my head out of this competitive um, strongman <laughs> environment. Yeah. So I decided to retrain as a, a yoga teacher. Wow. So it was something I actually did um, about a year ago. Right. And, um, and I did my vinyasa training and my yin training. And but the idea was to, to, to lend it to people like me who are over 40, yeah. who have done a lot of sport. So I call it yoga for lifters. Yeah. Which is great. Um, so I do that, and I also do because um, I used to be a percussionist uh, over DJs, and I always really loved that. And I obviously love music. I still play guitar, so I uh, I train to do gong baths as well. So I'm a gong practitioner, and in the gong baths I play drums and I play handpans and all sorts, and that that's amazing. If you yes, that. and I love that, and I'm still yet to um, to join one. I must do it actually. Yeah, well, I've just got. I'm doing every Friday, every Friday night okay. at Sedana in Clapham. So if you're around one Friday, come down. I'd love. It's to 45 you. minutes, but it's it's. I mean, I initially did it in Bali, um, yeah. and I went to this pyramid, a sound pyramid. I didn't know what it was. I just booked it <laughs> for a trip, and it was honestly. It's, I've tried to meditate for years, and you have a formal meditation, but it's quite difficult. But this just takes you into this yeah. kind of state between sleep and and yeah. being awake, and it. The, the sound waves just kind of wash through your body and it's it's an amazing experience. So, yeah, I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think even more so during this mad time that we're all dealing with at the moment, it's really important for people to switch off because, I, I you know, lots of people have been working, I don't know whether you've had the same thing. You know, I'm 
working and people or people around me are working a lot more from home and so there's never an off button because you're always working you're always oh on, yeah you know yeah. computers screens whatever's going on there's never an off downtime. so that's actually Absolutely, brilliant yeah. i sat outside yesterday morning in my decking in my dressing gown it was like 6 30 in the morning it was freezing with my cup of tea just sat i just thought i have to just sit i love being outside and just sit outside and just have that 20 minutes of nothingness do you know what I mean where you're not looking at a screen not thinking about anything and just having that off time and that's I think it's really important but it's finding everybody's got a different way of turning off that's the thing and it's 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 finding what works for you and I've tried to find an off button for years and nothing's worked and this is the first thing I found that's really kind of I can just lay there and take it in and it's um people afterwards their their sleep is they have such a strong night's sleep, it like completely resets you. But also I find, you know, the dogs for me are, are that sort of off button as well. So because you, you have to take them out, you go outside and obviously if there's not a stressful yeah. situation or just sitting on the sofa and you get a dog come on, you know, just that, even that sort of stroking the dogs or communicating with the dogs, you know, it's, it's just that change of routine, that change of scene, I suppose. And, and, and I think for a lot of people having dogs, it, it enables them to have, like you say, the company, social uh you know mental health you know because you've got someone else to care for if you do suffer you know you've got to get up you've got to look after this this little being um and and just the dogs are always so pleased to see you it's a really like my kids not so much my dogs always pleased to see me oh uh, yeah that's true yeah 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 no you're absolutely right so if you were a dog i think we probably answered this earlier but if you were a dog what breed and why do you think? Well, every time I put a picture of myself and these two up, everyone says, oh, triplets, oh, which one's a dog? <laughs> you know, so I presume I have the same kind of profile as a bulldog, but I don't think really my temperament is no. that of a bulldog because I'm a bit of a, a doer. So I've kind of got this bulldog body, but then maybe a, you know, a, a different dog's personality. <laughs> what would you be then? I'm trying to I'm, think. I'm a mongrel. Would you be more like of a gun dog, a bit more... Yeah, probably a probably a spring spaniel. It's got more energy and a bit more, a bit more mobile. Are you, are you easy to train though, James? <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I try. We'll work for food. It's interesting, isn't it, how certain dogs are a lot easier to train than others, and 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 and, and some are a lot more. I mean, you look at these dogs for the blind. I mean, what they yeah, can do is just amazing. unbelievable, isn't it? Well, they have a sixth sense as well, don't they? So for sort of therapy. And dogs. I just think, how would I get Smudge to do that? I mean, she can't even like you know the doorbell rings. She goes psycho. Never mind. Tell me when the phone's ringing, and you know, give me a nudge, and all these things that they can do is just amazing. Yeah. Well, they sense it before. I think it's the temperature change, and there's obviously just like you say, there's the the dogs are bred for different reasons. Um, I'm not quite sure what 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 is bulldogs' main job. Well, I think they were just for pets. I think I mean they, they were fighting dogs long ago, weren't they? But I think in the Victorian, I seem to remember somebody saying that they were. They were, they were the, the flatter the dog's face, so the more mangled its breathing wore, the richer you were. Mm. So it was like a status dog. But then, you know, before that, I think they were used for for other things. But they're they're not they're not. I think they're not really a dog bred for anything at the moment, except for you know sleep and uh, looking funny, making you looking laugh. funny, yeah, making clown, you laugh. clown dog. Entertainers. Definitely, yeah. Entertainers. You see a big red nose and a bow tie that spins. Lessa, what's next, James? What's next for you? I've done a lot of upskilling just for something to do during lockdown. So I'm, I'm learning new instruments at the moment. So I've, I've got two different hand pans I'm learning. I've just got a didgeridoo I'm learning. And I'm going to involve all these into the, the sound therapy. Brilliant. Um, and then, you know, I'm pushing the yoga more, less weight. So the weight is really kind of, 
you know, I kept saying this year I'm going to stop, this year I'm going to stop, and but this time 100%. I'm not stopping completely, I'm no. just stopping doing stuff that's going to, you know, create injuries. So to kind of get that balance um, and then just kind of going from there, really. Excellent. And here at Top Dogs and Their Humans, we don't just love dogs, we also love the charitable endeavours of others, organisations doing good in the world. And we want to give them a shout out on the podcast. So each episode, we're doing just that. There's a particular charity that you do support. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the um, the Edward Foundation, they rehome bulldogs that have been abused or bulldogs that have been left or bulldogs that uh, uh, need to rehome if somebody dies. And they get some bulldogs in some terrible states. And obviously, the fact that I have two bulldogs, this is one that I follow very, very closely. So yeah, check out the Edward Foundation. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, James, for joining us today on the Tadath Top Dogs and the Humans podcast. And um, I should become to one of your gong baths in my zen-like state very soon. I would love to. Yes, come on a Friday, 100%. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks a lot. See you later. And that is all for this episode of Top Dogs and the Humans. Make sure you join in the conversation online. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Live and at Top Dogs and the Humans or use the hashtag TDATH, T-D-A-T-H. If you can subscribe, rate and review, it really helps bring more people to our podcast. And so does telling a friend about us. Or how about someone you've met while out walking your dog? I'll be back next time with another great guest. But until then... Keep those top dog tails wagging. (coughs) Top Dogs and Their Humans is produced by Birdline Media.